We're talking about hearing the voice of God. We started last Sunday, and I wanted to spend two weeks talking about hearing God's voice. You know, we, we spent several weeks talking about prayer. Prayer is communication. Prayer is having conversation with God. And we taught about talking with God, but I felt like we needed to spend a couple of weeks hearing from God, hearing the voice of God. Because I know a lot of people struggle learning how to hear from God. So last week we talked about Elijah when he was running from Jezebel and he's hiding in the cave. And he's out there in the mouth of the cave and the Lord speaks to him. And as God passes by, there's a, a, a big wind, there's an earthquake, there's fire, these three things. But God wasn't in any of those things. But then there was this still small voice. And God began to give Elijah instructions for his future. We talked about the fact that it's so easy in life to be led by influential people, wind. It's easy to be led by obvious conclusions, earthquakes. And it's really easy to be led by fire, our emotions. There are a lot of things that will grab our attention and try to influence. But yet God wants to lead us. God wants to speak into our lives. He wants to lead us. And last week we talked about the fact that first of all, God leads us in very practical ways. Let me say it again if you weren't here. God begins leading us in very practical ways. For example, he leads us by his word. You read the word of God, you find instructions for your life. Not only that, we also find that God leads us by wisdom. I mean, Proverbs is jammed full of common sense wisdom. God wants us to learn to live by wisdom, make good decisions in life. We also talked about the fact that God will speak into our lives by godly counselors, people around us who know things we don't know, who've been through things we haven't been through. We can gain from other people, godly counselors, or safety in counsel. And then last of all, we talked about the fact that God also, in, he guides us and leads us, speaks into our lives by integrity. And by integrity, we simply mean doing what's right. A lot of times in tough situations when we have to make choices that are difficult, we look for ways to shortcut, to go the easy way, pay the least amount, do the least possible. But oftentimes your answer and your, your guidance from God is simply doing what you know is right. God begins speaking by very practical ways. But then God also wants to lead us by his spirit. Now think about this. He leads us in very practical ways, but there are times, there are moments, there are seasons when God wants to lead us supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. And I want to focus on this today. It's interesting if, if you look at, look at Luke chapter 4, and I don't, I'm not asking you to turn there. Make a note and read it later. Luke chapter 4, verse 1, it talks about the Holy Spirit coming upon Jesus and the Holy Spirit resting upon Jesus. And it says immediately that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. If you read the story, there's a lot to it, but the point I want to make is Jesus was led by the Spirit of God. Throughout his ministry, Jesus was led by the Spirit of God. Throughout his ministry, Jesus was empowered by the Spirit of God. Luke chapter 4, he goes into his own hometown 
he picks up the book of the law on the Sabbath day and he reads these words. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to, and then he gives out a whole list of things from the Old Testament, Isaiah's, a quote of what God had sent him and commissioned him to do. And, and the point I want you to grab this morning as we get into this is, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. Say that with me. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. Well, do you think if Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit, maybe God wants to lead us by the Holy Spirit too? See, the problem is Christians tend to fall on one end of the spectrum or the other. We want to follow just the practical things of God, and we want nothing to do with the supernatural things because it's beyond our understanding. Or we fall on this side where we want all supernatural, unusual stuff and we don't want anything to do with practical things. God wants to use all of these things in our lives and he wants to use them in balance. But we have to have a heart that says, I want to be led by God. I want to be led by God. Now let's look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I want to read a few verses beginning at verse number 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Now pause for just a moment. One of the statements this verse makes is, children of God are led by God. One of the ways you know you're a child of God is the Spirit of God is leading you. Look at verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption, the Holy Spirit, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. What it says is the Spirit brings us into this relationship with God where we are his children and he is our dear Father. Abba, Father is a, is a term and a phrase of endearment. We cry out, Abba, Father, because the Spirit lives in us. Verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit communicates through our spirit. This is one of the things that a lot of people don't understand. The Holy Spirit communicates with our spirit. And I'll talk about this more in just a moment. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit. We are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Now, let me take a couple of minutes and explain this passage of Scripture. Just two or three thoughts that I think are important to our message today. If you go back to John chapter 3, remember when Jesus had this conversation with a guy named Nicodemus? Remember this guy, Nicodemus, came to Jesus by night and he had questions to ask because he saw Jesus working miracles, but he was a part of the Jewish leadership, religious leaders, and, and he was struggling putting this all together. So he comes to Jesus by night secretly and he begins to ask him some questions. And Jesus looks at him and says, Nicodemus, you have to be born again. You must be born again. And Nicodemus is like, well, how is that possible? It's impossible for me to enter into my mother's womb and, and be born. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I'm talking about a spiritual birth. You have to be born of the spirit of God. And he said, I'm not talking about natural things. I'm talking about spiritual things. You have to be born of the Spirit of God. We in, in our church talk about having this experience of God where we've been born of His Spirit. We've been born again. We've experienced salvation. And every day of our lives, we live out this relationship of salvation. But it begins with this new birth. And at the new birth, what happens is our spirit that was dead because of sin comes alive. And suddenly we're alive, not just physically, now we're alive 
spiritually. And when that happens, the Holy Spirit literally, as Scripture tells us, He regenerates us. He makes us alive. He moves inside of us, and then He begins to communicate with our spirit. The part of us that He's made alive, our spirit man, He begins to speak to our spirit. Now you go back to that verse. His spirit, the Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. The Holy Spirit's inside of us saying, yes, 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 you're a child of God. You're a child of God. God wants to be involved in your life. And what the Holy Spirit begins to do is, living in us, he begins to work to make us comfortable with God now living in us. God's going to change our lives. Life is going to be totally different, but it only happens because the Spirit of God is living in us, and he wants to teach us to be comfortable with God's presence. So he begins to testify, to corroborate. He begins to convince us that what God's word says is true, that he's now living in us and we are children of God. But then he tells us, as children of God, the spirit of God will now lead us. God will now lead us through life. And here's the thing. We need to recognize this witness of the Holy Spirit within us. We need to recognize the presence and the leading of the Holy Spirit, and then we need to learn to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? It is a learning process. It's a learning process. When it's first new to you, it's like, man, I, I sense God, but I don't know what to do with this. What's this all about? God's making you comfortable with his presence so he can lead you through the challenges of life. Galatians chapter 5, Paul wrote about the fruit of the Spirit. And one of the things that he said in Galatians 5, he says, I say to you, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Learn to go through life being aware of the presence of the Spirit, walking in the power of the Spirit, walking with the influence of the Spirit upon your life. And then he went on to say, and I want you to notice this, he says, the flesh has its path, it has its lust, the things that it wants. The flesh wants to go one direction, but the spirit wants to go in a different direction. And he said, you need to learn to follow the spirit and walk in the ability and the power and the presence and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Having said that, let me, before I get into the, the meat of the message today, and how many of you know I'm still in my introduction, okay? So this doesn't count against my time. I'm just getting warmed up. Let, let me give you a disclaimer. Do you know what a disclaimer is? That's where they tell you you can get 2.9% interest with no fees, and this is going to be the greatest loan of your life. And when the commercial's over and you're ready to dial the number, they say, the guy comes on and says, okay. That's the disclaimer. It's like the medicine where it's, you know, you take this medicine and you're not going to have any more sickness for the rest of your life. Oh, but you may have headaches and you may get cancer from this and, you're, and you may have a stroke and this may happen. That's the disclaimer part. Let, this is not bad news, but let me give you a disclaimer this morning, okay? Everybody smile at me real quick. Okay, most of you are already smiling, but smile at me for just a moment. I, I, want, I want you to get this. In order for us to be led by the Spirit, now remember, the Spirit led Jesus the Spirit wants to lead us. In order for us to be led by the Spirit, there's something that we have to be aware of. Three things, really. Number one, the Holy Spirit wants to work for us. 
How many of you would like to have the Holy Spirit working for you? Okay. We have to be aware. We have to accept that fact. He wants to work for us. Second of all, we have to accept the fact he wants to work in us. How many want the Holy Spirit to work in you? See, it's, it's a little tougher because he starts changing us from the inside out. But then the third thing is, we have to accept the fact that the Holy Spirit also wants to work through us to touch other people. It's not just about me. He wants to work for us, in us, and through us. And if we're not comfortable with any of that, it's going to create problems along the way, and I'll tell you why. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, and you don't need to turn there. Go home and look it up later. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 talks about spiritual things. And in that first verse of the chapter there, Paul makes the statement, desire spiritual gifts. If, if you look in your Bible and read those words, desire spiritual gifts, the word gifts is italicized because it was added by the translators. What it literally says in the original writings is desire the Spirit. Desire the things of the Spirit. Desire the working of the Spirit in your life. And he talks about manifestation gifts in there. But there's a principle here that we need to see. Paul said, don't turn off to the working of the Spirit of God, but desire the working of the Spirit. Did you know the Holy Spirit will not lead you if you don't want to be led? We're not God's puppets. He doesn't reach down and grab us and shake us and, you know, like a little, what do they call marionettes with the strings hanging down where, you know, oh, yeah, 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 God's got control of my life. You know, you can see it here the way I'm acting. I'm goofy. I'm obviously goofy because God's got That's not how God works. God leads us by his spirit. But we have to submit to the working of the Holy Spirit. And the moment we say no to the working of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit backs off and says, okay, fine. Because the strongest thing that you'll ever have in life is your will. It's your will. Another thing, 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Don't throw water on the Holy Spirit. When his fire is burning, don't throw water on him and say, sit down and be quiet, leave me alone. If we quench the Spirit, the Spirit stops burning. Another thing Spirit tells us, or the Word tells us, Ephesians 4 says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. I think sometimes the Holy Spirit's speaking, it's like, I don't really want to do that. I don't, uh, yeah, I ignore that. I don't want to hear that. No, 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 that's not good. I don't want to hear that. And finally, after a while, the Holy Spirit's grieved. He just sits down and gets quiet. We have to be open to the Holy Spirit working for us, in us, and through us. So how is the Holy Spirit going to lead me? Let's look at Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3, if you don't have a Bible, we'll have the verse on the screen. Here's where it starts. Number one, the Holy Spirit speaks and leads us by God's peace. He leads us by his peace. Colossians 3.15 says, and let the peace of God rule. Everybody say rule. No, you didn't say it loud enough. And let the peace of God rule. That's a little bit better. Rule in your hearts to which you are also called in one body and be thankful. Let the peace of God rule. Rule. The word that is used in the original writings for the word rule is the word from, for which we get our word umpire. Let the peace of God umpire in your hearts. Let the peace of God decide if something is fair or if something is foul. 
Let the peace of God declare if it's a ball or a strike, if it's in, if it's out. Let the peace of God make decisions and rule in our hearts. I think one of the greatest ways that God wants to lead us and guide us is by his peace ruling our hearts. Because God wants us to be able to go through life having a confidence, yes, I'm going in the right direction. Remember in, in James, James talked about the double-minded man who doesn't know for sure what to do. He said the double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. He can't make decisions. He makes a decision, 30 minutes later he changes his mind. He's going to go here, no, I'm going to go there, no, I'm going to go. God doesn't want us to live double-minded lives. And one of the things that we can do to avoid double-mindedness is to get God's peace established in our hearts. Let me illustrate it to you if I can. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 says, don't worry about anything, but pray about things. Literally what it says is don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. And it says, if you pray and you're sincere and your heart's open to God, it says, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Literally what it says, and now listen closely to me, this is very, very important. Literally it says, when you are facing a question, when you're facing a challenge, when you're not sure what to do, when you can't seem to find answers and you're not sure, talk to God about it. Open your heart, lay it all out on the table. Be serious, be sincere, be honest with God. Lay it all out, thank God for answers, and then let God's peace be established in your heart. Because what God promised is, if you'll pray about things, if you'll talk to me about things, I will put my peace in your heart and you will know which direction you need to go. I've told this story many times and I'll tell it one more time because it's a great example. When I was a young preacher, I was traveling at the time, preaching services across the country, uh, revivals back in the day, for those of you who still remember the days of revivals. I was a, an, an evangelist back in those days. And I had an opportunity that came my way to do something in Nashville, Tennessee, do this project with, with a, a, a guy who was a, a publisher and uh, recorded music and so forth. I had an opportunity that was just a golden opportunity. And I looked at it, I thought, man, this is awesome. It was going to cost me, at the time, about $13,000, which, you know, back in late 70s, early 80s, that was a lot of money, especially for a young preacher how old was I back in 19? Man, I was like nine years old back then, I think. <laughs> but it was $13,000, and I had to borrow $13,000 to do this. How many of you know that? That's a big deal, too. So I borrowed the $13,000 at the bank on my name. I did this project, and when I started to do this project, something inside of me said, do not. I was sick inside. Do I'd wake up in the morning, no, no, no. And I kept looking thinking, yeah, this is great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get famous. This is going to put me somewhere where I want to go. I'll be able to get to bigger churches, preach to more people. This is my answer. Man, I had it all figured out. This guy is a big name. He says it's going to be great. Only going to cost me <clears throat> $13,000. This is awesome. And every morning I'd wake up and I'm sick in my stomach thinking, I, I don't do this. Don't do this. You know what I did? I did it anyway. And I spent the next seven years of my life trying to pay back $13,000. 
Because about a year later, God changed my flow of ministry, and I ended up pastoring a church, and I had no place to sell my records and my albums and my tapes and all of that. And I was stuck with all of it in the garage, and I had to pay the bill for it. And I learned a lesson. If I just followed the peace instead of my ego and what I wanted to do, it would have saved me a lot of headache, a lot of heartache, and a lot of money. I think probably nine people in the house have done something similar in your lifetime. I should have followed the peace, but no, I had to do what I wanted. One of the ways that God works in us is when we have decisions to make and we look at the different paths. I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. We always run it through here and that's normal, that's human. But we oftentimes fail to stop and run it through our spirits and say, what's God saying? I have somebody who's pretty close to me, who years ago went through a tough time in life, had to kind of rebuild life and start all over again, went through some rehab situations, kind of lost everything and went back to square one. And one day we were talking and he said, man, how do you make decisions? And we were talking about the Lord. He said, how do you make decisions? I said, I pray about things and I follow the peace. I follow the peace. Several weeks later, a few months later, I was over at his place and and I went in to help him move a piece of furniture, walked into his bedroom, and on his bedroom, the dresser had this big mirror, and he had taken, I don't know, a magic marker or something. He had written across his mirror, follow the peace. One of the best things you can do is follow God's peace. The peace will not lead you astray. Follow God's peace. The Holy Spirit establishes God's peace in us. And when it gets turned upside down and it's not there, you need to go back and find the pathway where the peace is. Second of all, the Holy Spirit speaks and leads us by a knowing in our spirit. By a knowing in our spirit. And remember, we read from Romans 8, his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You know, everybody here who knows God knows what it is to sense God's presence because you, you just sense it. Your spirit just senses it. When God's moving, when God's doing things, you just sense the, the spirit of God. You sense that witness. Well, that same kind of witness is a knowing. I know I'm a child of God. I know this is real. I know God's speaking to me. Well, the fact is there are times in life when God will lead us by that knowing in our spirit because we know to take a direction that we need to take. Let me show you some things. There's a story in John chapter 13 about Jesus. At the Last Supper when, you know, Judas leaves and Judas takes off and he's about to go betray him and sell him for 30 pieces of silver. And Scripture says that suddenly Jesus was troubled in spirit. That's what it says. Jesus was troubled in spirit. Because suddenly the weight came down on him and he realized this plan is being put into action. Judas, one of my own, has gone away to betray me. This is the night I'm going to go. I'm going to be tried. I'm going to be found guilty of blaspheming God. I'm going to lay down my life tomorrow. This is my time. It's now here. And suddenly he was troubled in spirit because he knew all of this was about to fall on top of him. Have you ever been troubled in your spirit? 
Have you ever looked around in, in, in the natural, everything was fine? But inside it was just, you were just a wreck and you just knew something's wrong. You were so troubled inside. Usually when you're troubled in spirit, it's a warning. It's a sign to you of danger. It's a sign that there's something potential in front of you that you need to be aware of and you need to know how to deal with this thing, oftentimes to lead in a different direction. It was Jesus' path to go to the cross, but he was troubled. It went on to the garden that night. It became so great that his, his sweat became great drops of blood because of this pressure that was on him. And he asked his disciples, pray with me, stay with me for this hour and just hang with me because it's a difficult time for me. We need to be aware that there are times when the Holy Spirit will alert us to danger that's going on around us. Now, what do you do when the Holy Spirit alerts you to something? What do you do when suddenly there's a knowing inside of you that something is wrong? First thing you want to do is stop and look around. You see what's going on. Then you need to stop and pray and talk to God about it. Because when we talk to God about it, it allows God to let the Holy Spirit begin to speak to the things that we don't know to prepare us for what's coming. God will give us a knowing of what we need to do at that moment. You'll have a sense of a direction to take or an adjustment to make. I've heard stories all my life about people, and I've experienced it myself, of people who've been in a situation and all of a sudden they just had these danger warning sirens going off inside and they stopped and prayed and said, God, what do I do? And God said, go this direction. Heard about a missionary years ago. He was traveling across the world and going back to a missionary land. And he, and his, and his, as he's on his way back, he has a layover at this airport and it comes time to get on the plane and he goes to get on the plane and all of a sudden inside, man, the alarms are going off, the whistles are going off. It's like, don't, 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 don't. And he stops and says, God, what's wrong? God says, don't get on the plane. Don't get on the plane. He said, God, I have to. God said, don't get on the plane. Finally, he backs off. He told the people, I, I can't get on this plane. Something's wrong. Well, the plane took off. Sure enough, a couple hours later, the plane went down. Everybody on board was killed. We've heard stories about people in the Twin Towers on 9-11. Christian people who woke up that morning and something said, don't go to work today. I've heard those stories, not one or two, several. And people say, you know what, I, I don't know. What about Christians that did die in the building? I don't know. I can't, I can't explain that. But what I can tell you is there were people that since the warning, there was something, there were alarms going off inside of them, and they were troubled in spirit, and they stopped and talked to God, and God said, go this way. And it spared them from hurt, from pain, and from danger. And friends, I'm going to tell you, if you'll be sensitive to God's voice, if you'll learn to listen, if you're willing to follow him, God will speak into your life and God will lead you away from troubled situations. We need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you another story. Acts chapter 16 talks about Paul and he was ministering in this city and everywhere he went, there was this slave girl that was following him around. And this slave girl had a spirit of divination, which means she was a fortune teller. By the power of evil spirits, she foretold fortunes. What she literally did was probably she talked about people's past because demonic spirits could feed in and give information. She'd talk about the fact, the past, and then talk about where that path was headed. And as a result of this evil spirit that was upon her, that held her in, captive, in captivity, 
She was able to tell fortunes, but her masters made money off of her. So they paid to have her services. And this young woman is following Paul around, and everywhere Paul goes, this woman's saying, listen to him, listen to him. He's the voice of God. He's pointing to salvation. Listen to him, listen to him. Well, this goes on for several days, and Paul's confused because he's like, man, everybody knows who this woman is. They know what she is. But yet she's bringing confirmation, trying to tell everybody, well, listen to him. It's almost like they're trying to bring God's work and the enemy's work together and put them both together. And she's creating confusion. And finally, it says in verse 18 of, of Acts 16 that Paul was greatly annoyed. Inside, he finally got annoyed and he got tired of it because he saw the confusion. And he turns around and points his finger and he cast the evil spirit out of her. And suddenly, not only was the evil spirit gone, but the, the ability to foretell fortunes, tell fortunes, it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. She's freed. But when that happened, it caused an uproar in the city because her masters were going to lose money out of that deal. But the point is, what I want you to see, his spirit was annoyed. In, in the King James, it says he was grieved. His spirit was grieved because something was interfering and resisting the working of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes when you're in a situation and you're involved in God's work especially or you're just being a God's representative, living life and trying to be the example, sometimes your spirit will get grieved. Your spirit will get annoyed because of something that's going on that's opposite of the work of God's spirit. And when that happens, we need to stop and figure out how God wants us to deal with the interference that's going on. Years ago, I was in Uganda, and I was asked one Sunday morning to go speak in this village church. So I got in with this missionary and a bunch of young men from the Bible school, and we drove two, three hours out to this little village way out in the middle of nowhere. We got out there, and you know, it was a very simple church building, you know, block building that th this organization had built. And I'll never, I, as long as I live, I'll never forget this story because I was so touched that day to be in a small village church and see what God was doing. But in, as, as service began, the worship team was up on the stage, and they had this little platform that was built. It was concrete. It was just like two little steps up and it was a small building. But the worship team's up there and they start worshiping God. And as they're worshiping, there's a little kid, a little girl who just starts running around the front of the building, just running around, just being obnoxious during church. And people are looking around like, what's going on? And she's running around. And the next thing you know, she's running up on the platform and she's getting up there and she's dancing around, acting silly while they're worshiping God. And they grab her and try to lead her up. The, she turns around and starts swinging and hitting and kicking. They grab her by the arm to take her down. She starts trying to bite them. And all of a sudden, my spirit got so annoyed. You know, I thought, now, if that was my kid, well, I, I, I'd, I'd spank his little bottom up. That's the best pastoral way I know to say it in front of everybody. I'd spank his bottom, put an end to that. But this little girl jumping up and down with this dress going, and she began to fight everybody, just going nuts. And my spirit got so annoyed, and suddenly I realized, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. This is demonic. This is beyond what we know. There's a long story to this. I got up that day to preach, and while I'm preaching, I'm just watching this girl, because they're having a hard time controlling her. And it goes on and on the whole time I'm preaching. 
And it was such an annoyance that I actually shortened my sermon because there was so much distraction. But when we got to the altar service, people came forward to receive the Lord. The father got up and brought this little girl forward. And when he brought her forward, all of a sudden a demon began to manifest in this little girl's life. Well, these Bible school boys, it was like, yeah, that's the dinner bell for us. It's time for us to minister. They went down and began to minister to this little girl. And they cast the demon out of her. She settled down. But here's the interesting thing. What we found out after church was her father was there and he was just weeping and crying. And he said, this is my son. My wife, her family, they're all witch doctors in our tribe. I gave my heart to Jesus a few weeks ago, but my little boy, or my little boy dresses like a girl because he doesn't know what his real identity is. And this spirit has so warped my child that this little boy is so disruptive, I can't take him anywhere. But my wife likes it that way. And they ministered to the father that day and spoke with him. And the thing I learned out of that is there are times, there are times when your spirit gets so annoyed and so restless and just uptight and it's like, what in the world is going on here? That's when the discerning of spirits will usually kick in and we'll understand the enemy is interfering here and God has a better plan. Those are the times we need to pray and say, God, show me what to do with this situation. Because oftentimes there's a course of action that God wants us to take to deal with that situation. And by the way, let me say this to you. Don't ever be afraid. Do not ever be afraid when you see the enemy try to interfere with God's plans. Don't ever be afraid, even if you see the enemy manifest himself. Don't ever be afraid. He has no power over you. He has no authority over you. Don't ever back down from him. You stand up because he has to bow to the name of Jesus. He will, he will try to influence people. He'll try to put fear in people's lives. But do not ever back down because God has given us authority over all the power of the enemy. Another thing you see, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, it talks about Paul going to Troas to preach. And it says, when he arrived there, th there was a door of opportunity to minister that God had opened for him. But Titus was supposed to be there ministering with him. And oftentimes you see it in the ministry of Paul. Paul traveled with a companion, they ministered together, and they were a team. Paul said, this door of opportunity came along, and I was there to minister. But Titus wasn't there. He didn't get there. He was supposed to meet me there. He didn't arrive. And he said, it, it, it was almost like I was unable to do what I was called to do because I didn't have the rest of my team with me. And Paul said, I became restless in spirit. Verse 13 of 2 Corinthians 2 says, I had no rest in my spirit. Even though God had opened a door, I had no rest in my spirit. I was restless inside. Have you ever been in the middle of something and all of a sudden inside you just got so restless? It was like, man, everything looks like it's supposed to be okay, but something's not right here. Oftentimes it's a warning that something's out of place or something's missing that needs to be in place. Or maybe there's a different path you need to take at that moment. Paul had to make a decision. And Paul ended up actually leaving that place and moving on and going to Macedonia because he wasn't comfortable. He was restless trying to do the work of the ministry without the whole team in place. Can I tell you something? I would be so restless if we didn't have a team in place on Sunday morning trying to minister here. 
from the parking lot all the way through to community care. I would be restless if something was out of place. Sometimes we can be in the right place at the wrong time. Sometimes we can be in the wrong place. Sometimes somebody's missing, and it keeps us from being as effective as God wants us to be. We need to understand when that happens, the Holy Spirit suddenly may, may put a restlessness inside of you, trying to warn you that things aren't going to go the way they ought to go. What do you do in those moments? You just get still and start talking to God and seek God's direction. Now, let me ask you something. If your spirit gets troubled or if your spirit gets restless, if your spirit is grieved, if any of these things are going on, do you really think if God puts that sense there, that knowing, do you really think that God's not going to provide the next answer for you? Of course he is. If the warning bells go off and you talk to God about it, God is then going to give you the knowing of how you proceed from there. Because that's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Acts chapter 17 Talks about Paul going to a city, and the whole city was given over to idols at, there at Athens. The whole city's worshiping all these different idols and all these different gods. And it says that his spirit was provoked within him. There was a, a, an anger, a battle inside of him because he saw all the people who'd been led away into spiritual bondage. And as a result, he began to preach Jesus to them there. Sometimes your spirit may be provoked because you know that God wants to touch people's lives and people are in bondage and God wants to use you to help set them free. It might happen one-on-one. -on -one. It might happen in a group. But there are times when our spirits will be provoked and we'll feel like, well, what am I going to do? Acts chapter 18, Paul faced the same kind of thing. And it says he was compelled by the spirit to go and speak to people who didn't even want to hear the message. Oftentimes when our spirits are provoked, on the heels of that, we're compelled by the Spirit to share the Word of God with people. Let me tell you something. One of the greatest challenges you'll ever face is talking to somebody or talking to a group of people, and all of a sudden inside of you, the Spirit begins to compel you. It begins to just roar up and rise, and you realize this person is in bondage, and I have the answer. And when you begin to speak the Word of God, it just releases your spirit, and you realize, I've done what God's called me to do. The Holy Spirit wants to use you. He wants to work through you. And there are times when the Holy Spirit will just stir you up inside and you'll know that something needs to happen there. There have been so many times in, in, in my ministry and some of you say, yeah, but you're the pastor. It's supposed to happen to you. No, it's supposed to happen to believers. Holy Spirit's there to lead all of us if we're willing to follow. But here's the thing. When we're troubled, when we don't know what to do, when our spirit knows that something's not right, God has initiated with us that he wants to do something different. And we need to respond to the initiation of the Holy Spirit and see what it is God wants to do. There have been so many times when I've been dealing with people, maybe sitting, talking, maybe ministering, whatever it might be, and all of a sudden, in the middle of conversation, something just rises up inside of me, and I realize... This is off base. This is wrong. There's something that needs to change here. And in course of conversation, you identify it, and then you begin to pray, you begin to minister to somebody, and suddenly everything becomes peaceful again because you've realized this is what God wanted me to do. The Holy Spirit will work that way in our lives if we're open 
to him working. Now let me, before I finish today, let me, let me just share one little, one little warning with you. Everybody say caution. In my, my life of ministry, the last 40 years, one of the things that has been very common in our circles, churches that are open to the working of the Holy Spirit, one of the things that's been so common, and it's, it's a mistake, is that a lot of people, is everybody listening to me? A lot of people want things that are flamboyant, that are spectacular, but they don't want the simplicity of the working of the Holy Spirit in their lives. They want the fire, they want the earthquake, they want the wind, but a lot of people don't want the still small voice. And there's, there's a warning here I want you to hear. It's predominant in a lot of churches like ours where there are people who want to be led by other people's prophetic words. Friends, God never intended to lead you and guide you and direct your life through somebody else's word. God wants to speak to you himself. Now that, you can go ahead. We got about a 50-50 split. Some of you agree, some of you don't agree. I'll, let me give you the word of God for it, okay? Scripture tells us that this gift of prophecy will strengthen us, it will encourage us, and it will comfort us. But it's not there to lead our lives. See, I know people say, oh, if I can just get to Sister So-and-So's meeting, well, Sister So-and-So will have a word for me and I'll have direction for my life. And they go to that place and then they leave that place disappointed. Because sister so-and-so is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to you and wants to lead you and wants to guide you. You know, I've known people in this church. I'm almost finished, okay? I'm going to get to the good ending here in just a moment. I've known people in this church who've run after people and run after things and somebody starts becoming the voice of God to you. And, oh, I have to run to so-and-so's house every week to get my word from God. Friend, that's a mistake. God never intended for it to work that way. God will use prophetic voices to encourage you, to strengthen you, to confirm things in your heart, but it is the Holy Spirit's job to lead you and direct your life, not brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so and their gift. It's just not. And what happens is, when you start pulling on somebody like that, they'll start giving you soulish prophecy, telling you what they want you to hear or what you, they think you want to hear. And the first thing you know, you're way down the road, separated from the church, separated from God's people, separated from the safety of other believers, and you're out there in no man's land and your life is upside down because you followed somebody other than God. Follow the Holy Spirit. Follow the simplicity of the leading of God. And finally, how do I, how do I develop sens sensitivity to the Holy Spirit? How do, I, how do I learn to hear God's voice? How do I learn to sense the Holy Spirit? A few things. Number one, spend time with God. Spend time with God. You don't know someone if you don't spend time with them. Spend time with God. Every now and then, Dan will come see me. I love visiting with Dan. I mean, God speaks to Dan, and God, Dan walks with God, and I, we have great conversations. 
But I get to know Dan by sitting with Dan and spending time with Dan. You get to know God by spending time with God. You begin to recognize his voice. Pray. Talk to God. Talk to God about things. And then listen. Don't listen here. Listen here. Oftentimes it's an impression of what he wants you to do. It's a knowing inside. That's how the spirit works. Read the word of God. Gain knowledge from God's word. See what God's word says. Because God's never going to disagree with his word. He's just not. The spirit and the word agree. Learn from your experiences in God. Learn how to see patterns. Learn how to sense things. When you've sensed the spirit of God working in you, get used to that feeling. Treasure that. Because God will continue to work in your spirit by his spirit. Learn to pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 says, when we're confused and we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit will pray through us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Praying in the Spirit is praying the perfect will of God. That's what it says in Romans chapter 8. When I'm praying in the power of the Spirit, I am praying the will of God. And then what happens is, as I pray in the Spirit, suddenly the will of God begins to settle inside of me, and I know what it is God wants me to do. Pray in the Spirit. He'll bring a settling and a knowing for your future. In closing today, maybe you're wondering, can I, can I really hear the voice of God? Yes, you can. Can I really be led of God? Yes, you can. Any one of us, we can be led by God if we're willing to submit to the leading of God. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, well, I don't even really know God. Can I even know God? Yes, you can. God wants to know you more than you want to know him. He wants to be in relationship with you. Maybe you're sitting here right now and you've listened to this and you've thought, you know, I'd love to know God. If you feel that way today, it's because the Spirit of God is already knocking on the door of your heart. He's telling you, get comfortable with me because I want to know you. I want to be in relationship with you. You say, how do I start this relationship? It's through prayer. It's words, an invitation. God, please come into my life. I want to pray with you today. Right now, I'm going to ask everybody to bow your heads. I want to ask everybody in the house to pray this prayer with me. And I'm going to encourage you. Maybe you've never done this before. Maybe you've never opened your heart to God. Just open your heart and pray this prayer with me right now. Say, God, I need you. And I want you in my life. I need you. So I open my heart to you. Please come into my life. I believe that Jesus is your son who died for my sins was raised from the dead. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. So I give my life back to you today. Thank you for calling me. Thank you for loving me and receiving me. From this moment on, I am your child. And you are my father. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.